This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. My bookie presents Shake Them Ropes. Use code ROPES. Double your first deposit. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino. Chris, I angered the Twitterverse today. What'd you do this time? I, uh, I was, uh, well, first off, non-wrestling. I said Iron Man 2 was better than Iron Man 3, which it is. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like Iron Man 3. A lot of other people did. I just didn't like it. Uh, what, and- what didn't you like about Iron Man 3? I, you know, I, I just, I found, I found the red herring on one of the villains to not be very satisfactory. And then, you know, making Pepper Potts a supervillain slash superhero. I didn't like it all. I just, I, it just wasn't for me. And I'm, I'm not the biggest Shane Black fan in the world. He's the guy who directed it. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked, uh, I liked Sam Rockwell and I liked Mickey Rourke, you know? Sue me. What can I say? And then, then, oh, 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 congratulations to Kenny Omega for making the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. I said it was prisoner of the moment voting in a way, but you're eligible if you, if you're 35 years or older and you've been in the business, I think 20 years. And I believe Kenny Omega has been wrestling for 20 years. So he was on the ballot. I, I just, I, I think you got to well, so wait. This gets to the, the problem with the eligibility, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think that even when taken into the context of historicity, the eligibility is too low. So right now it's 35. But if you think about wrestlers of yesteryear from the 70s and 80s, a lot of them wrestled uh, well into their 40s. So... 35 was, in a lot of cases, below where peak wrestlers were at. Nick Bockwinkle, for example, um, peaked well after the age of 35. Uh, he, he was you know, peaking well into his 40s. Uh, so I think maybe going forward here, Kenny Omega is a good illustration that the age of eligibility has to be at least 40. Yeah, I also, I have a weird problem, and I've, discuss this on this show before i i think if you put guys in japan there's a lower bar to clear than if you put them in the states and so i always get a bit mad that there are guys on that upper tier of american wrestling from the 80s and 90s who are never going to make it in the hall of fame but who you can't tell the story of wrestling without in my opinion versus a guy who has like a good two or three years of six star I say with a little bit of uh, disdain, matches, you know, five. You, you can't up the stakes. He had a seven-star match, Jeff. Mm, okay. They, they, there were seven of them. I'm mostly pissed Arn Anderson's never making the wrestling episode for Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think they were, because then they go, well, he wasn't around long enough in terms of the team, because he's on the ballot right now with Tully and J.J. Dillon. And you know, it's 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 just you know, it's it's a fun argument, but boy, people get tweaked easy. And I I just said, hey, you know, we can wait. You know, 
you never know. I mean, Chris Benoit is still in the Hall of Fame for his work rate. That didn't turn out too well. <laughs> yeah, so the other thing I would say, too, is you're not necessarily doing a wrestler a favor by making them a Hall of Famer while they are still active. Yes, and I know that, you know, Terry Funk has never officially retired. No, okay, but... so it, it's different over the age of 50 where you're still doing it and Hall of Famer actually adds to the prestige of your aging act that is no longer delivering on the physical levels that it was when you were in your 20s. When you're in your 30s, and being called a Hall of Famer, especially as you get to your mid to late 30s, it sort of implies that you're over the hill. When you're not, you're in your mid to late 30s. True. Well, as we uh, as we get into this, some breaking news right before SmackDown started. Zelina Vega released by the WWE. It's a shame because I was really finally getting into the story that they were doing. There's a long form storytelling <laughs> angle that was going on here. It was subtle. A lot of people, a lot of people in the what they call the oh, internet really? wrestling hold on, hold on. community. Oh really? Yes. Oh really, Chris? Yes. What, was yeah. the sto- yes. what was the story they were telling? What was the it was complicated. Story? It was it was nuanced. Oh well, what was it? Well, you see, Andrade, Angel Garza, and Zelina Vega couldn't get along. That's subtle. <laughs> it was complicated. It's complicated. Oh, it's it's a rom-com. It's complicated. Uh, conflicting There were report. twists and turns, zigs and zags. <laughs> uh, conflicting reports on whether or not this was Twitch slash social media related or attitudinal, shall we say, or maybe a combination. Maybe it's halfway in between. We won't know for a while, but uh, the stories not- don't full. They are presented as though they conflict, but it's entirely possible to read and harmonize <laughs> these different version of events. And it does seem to have some ripple effect from the announcement involving Twitch and uh, these independent contractors being not really independent, more just contractors. Well, yes. Ten minutes before the uh, Future Endeavors tweet came out, Zelina said, I support unionization. It's an interesting bookend to the Monday tweet, or at least not the tweet, but the uh, Alexa Bliss interview where she <laughs> compared independent con- calling someone an independent contractor to cancel culture, which I thought was a pretty big misstep. They're they're two wildly different things. Yeah, well, yeah. one's an employment status and the other one isn't, so that's a good starting point. Yeah, I I know. I I just it's it's interesting. And then Andrew Yang also piped in tonight, saying he hasn't forgotten about Vince McMahon. Okay, I, you know I'll I'll believe something when I see it. Yeah, no, I I'm not against him doing something, but at this point, I I'm with you. I will believe. And assess the thing that is being done when I see the thing that I can assess. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I like Selena Vega as a presence. I just, I thought, again, I think she's WWE, got a lot to offer. They just completely missed on her. Oh, they, they, yeah, they never, they never fixed the character. They never evolved the character past yelling at the person she was with. It, it's just, it was just one of those things where 
in NXT was kind of cool, you know, that she was the guy or she was the uh, woman. She was the guy. She was the woman, you know, getting Andrade's head on straight and focused. And she was kind of the muse. She made to him that. a champion. Yeah. And then, that was the story in NXT. And, and then when it was brought up to the main roster, they never did anything with it. But she can talk. She has an on-screen presence. Uh, she can do some moves. All uh, you know, some of them are more choreographed spots. She actually analogizes or compares, interestingly, to Penelope Ford. And I don't know. Actually, there's some intrigue up between a Penelope Ford and Zelina Vega feud. I'd be there for that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind her coming in and replacing Vicky Guerrero. With oh, yeah. Nia Jax. I think that'd be a pretty good move. But Oh, AEW. Know. If Zelina Vega went to AEW's division right now, she's like she's maybe not the top level in ring talent, but in terms of like mic and character package, she's no lower than like third best. And they need personality in that division. They so I'm all for seriously it. need personality in that division, yes. I'm kind of intrigued by a Tay Conti Zelina Vega match for some reason. Yeah, that could be interesting. <laughs> sure. Uh, Tony Chimmel, along with other parts of the live events staff, he was let go after, I believe, like 29 years with the company. Uh, former ring announcer, but mostly did ring announcing for, for the house live shows, events these for days. live events. Yeah. This signals that, and WWE has been doing this for some time, including on the uh, on the earnings call. I think this is the new normal. I think house shows are a thing of the past. I think that's right. I think that this is a company that is very much concerned about profitability. One of the things that has been quietly happening here uh, over the last couple of years is WWE has come down from their great heights in terms of profitability. The stock price, I think, as we're taping today, is somewhere in the mid-40s. And uh, that is probably not where I think a lot of people thought the stock price would be. Uh, and at one point, it was around $100. Vince did a big sell-off in the 80s. And this is a company that's going to want to remain profitable to keep their books looking good and their stock price relatively stable at this you know, 40s level, um, which is a sustainable level for them. But in order to stay at this level, they need to keep doing cost-cutting measures. Uh, some of them have been draconian and stupid and hard to justify. In the case of live events, I think that attendance was down at them. And we were seeing this before the pandemic. Uh, in the pandemic era, they were non-tenable. We are still in the midst of that. It looks like there might be some light at the end of the tunnel, but... The end of the tunnel may be three or four quarters from now. Uh, they may not even really have the option of running the full touring show circuit until the fourth quarter of 2021. Uh, and, and in that case, you can assess if you want to do more house shows. Or they now have the Capitol Wrestling Center set up uh, in, in the Capitol, uh, uh, Capital City. <laughs> It, where the wrestling is very, very popular, uh, and, and you can tell the crowds are very live. And, uh, yeah, they, they can do events in the Capitol Wrestling Center and make television there, which is a more important thing. So if you're worried that people who are supposed to be getting developed aren't getting developed, they probably have a better chance of getting some degree of development in the Capitol Wrestling Center. And at some point, 
when the pandemic environment subsides, they'll probably be able to bring in people to the Capitol Wrestling Center and have like some sort of live audience for people to train in front of as well. There's a swing in town I know called Capital City. <laughs> I figured you'd like that little slid in uh, <laughs> Simpsons uh, reference. Those are my Simpsons love. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think. I think for overall revenue, it's a smart thing, but man, there's a lot of guys sitting around doing nothing that would get chances to work on these shows and improve despite the fact that they're never on TV. So, you know, I I see both the positive and the negative of it. Uh, Survivor Series going to be marketed as a farewell to The Undertaker. Also, rumors that The Undertaker may be negotiating to come in as a coach at the Performance Center, Chris. I'm just trying to think what Mean Mark <laughs> brings you know, as a trainer. I get, like, I get that, and I'm with you. The, the one thing he could bring is he could teach some of these big guys to work as big guys. Yes. But also, it's one of those things, again... With with the crew they have there, people don't understand that sometimes the best performers make terrible teachers, and that's in all walks of entertainment, so to speak, because they're f- so focused on their own greatness, they never really learn how to give that greatness to anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a more flattering way of putting that, too, is like sometimes uh, you know stuff on such an innate level that you don't ever have to kind of break it down or systematize it. The systems are already formed in your head. And I'm, so I'm that not, makes you... No, I'm not here to do that. Everybody's selfish who's great, and they suck. No. Yeah, okay. Ahead. No, go, that's no, fair. Go that, ahead. That, 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 two different views. You got to hear both sides. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I, so, I, I mean, I think, you know, like, Eddie Van Halen is a guy who has, like, a real mastery and a command of the instrument, maybe not so good at teaching music theory, but, like, you know, I mean, he just knows how to do the techniques. Uh, I, I think that that happens, to your point, in all walks of life. Like, um, I think Michael Jordan. Bad teacher. He was teacher. with the Wizards. <laughs> and he was trying to mentor young guys, and all he did was destroy people. But, but you know, it's not always like that either, too, because, like, you'll have someone like Ray Allen, an all-time great shooter, but he's, like, yeah. a really good systematic guy and would be a really good teacher. Um, yeah. Alan Houston, uh, a great shooter and also like a good teacher of, of stroke. And he's still got the stroke, too. He's, he still can shoot. Sasha Banks's episode of The Mandalorian dropped at midnight on Friday. I've watched it. She doesn't do a whole lot in it. But, uh, man, what a blast that must be to, to, to be part of the Star Wars universe and to actually not be someone who will be universally hated for decades on end. I, you know, the episode was pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, she had, I think she had like two lines total, but, uh, her presence was there and it was enough to get people talking online. And I was, I was kind of watching and they're like, who is this? I've never seen her before. What else has she been in? And then they're like, ah, she's some wrestler. But, uh, I was more than pleased to watch it. Yeah, no, uh, I like the Mandalorian a lot. I think it's, I it's enjoyable. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's a really fun Star Wars franchise. For a long time, going back into the aughts when they were making the prequels, and I was not necessarily loving the prequels, I was hoping that they would make 
a Star Wars franchise that expanded on like the bounty hunter culture. And yeah. it's been really awesome to finally have that come to fruition and for the product to be so enjoyable. Um, yeah, my, my yeah. pitch, which <laughs> actually Court Bauer said, shut up and take my money. I was like, maybe I should write this up, was a war amongst the huts with bounty hunters and things of that nature where there's a there's that vacuum after the empire's been destroyed and people are trying to uh people are trying to uh, get get certain uh power within the universe again. I thought I thought an organized crime thing in the Star Wars universe would be kind of cool. Yeah, so I didn't like the new series. I don't want to get like lost on a deep tangent here, but one thing that I'm mildly hopeful about the new series or that the new series left completely untouched was almost to a fault here. They didn't really explain what happens in the fallout between six and seven. Yeah. And I think that leaves room for a, a very interesting movie or series about the post empire pre first order era. Which yeah. They just need to get away of- from all of that and redo it totally new universe and this is totally too geeky for everybody else shut up about oh, star wars oh yeah no I, that's the, the, the people listening to voices of wrestling the japanese pro wrestling podcasting <laughs> network they're really worried that star wars is too geeky yeah no i i imagine that's where the mutiny is coming from right now uh aew did a presentation about their video game future oh boy i i would have just I watched this, Chris, and it's more of the cutesy, ironic. They tried to model it after an Apple presentation, and I understood that. I just didn't like it. But uh, yeah, I just want to see the game. Yeah, just show me the game. I'm with you. I thought like it. It. It's a problem that I have with many AEW sensibilities uh, on these fronts. But like, no, I. I just want to see less talk, more rock. Yes. I want to see what the game is. I, I'm, I'm optimistic about the game. Uh, I'm more they optimistic have... than I was because because when I saw Ukes, I went, "Oh no!" But I guess it's the uh, it's no the people, mercy. Thq aki the people behind WWF No Mercy um, and kind of the classic N64 games. It's that engine. Um, that engine also was used on like SmackDown, uh, Here Comes the Pain, and also Def Jam. So. A fighting engine that people know and like, and if it gets an update and that update is not uh, clunky or silly, like if they come out with WCW versus NWO revenge level of quality, they're going to have a successful game that people are going to like to play. And I think it has been a big thing that has been missing from the formula of like, the 90s wrestling boom. Uh, there have been all these attempts to kind of bring back you know, the Wednesday Night Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Even that framing of it. Uh, one of the big things that made WCW versus WWF kind of a multi-platform thing was the video game component of it. Um, and, you know, WCW had the better games. So, you know, that, that actually probably was helping WCW along for a while until WWF ended up taking THQ from WCW. Uh, like the video game leg of the successful wrestling company formula in the 21st century, I think has been ignored. Uh, obviously if you watch any of WWE's video games or attempt to play them, um, but More people would rather play fire pro Yeah, with, with that, you know, anachronistic engine. 
Oh yeah, that that is a throwback to the early nineties. Uh, that is like uh, WCW Super Brawl WWF Royal Rumble style engine. Um, and people are more willing to go and flow on that. And I mean, there's still a modded community uh, for W, uh, like, oh my no God. Mercy. Uh, there is no mercy. No mercy. Yeah, yeah, no mercy. Virtual Pro Wrestling, too. Just totally blanking there. Like I had, I had a bunch of great mods for that for. Uh... For, yeah, for an emulator that I had back in the early aughts. So yeah, that that's yeah. a fun. It's a fun. If, if the graphics can improve and be PS5 worthy, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm good with. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it'd be if they put out a reissue of Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 with cleaned up graphics, I'd be like, shut up and take my money. Like you know, so uh, the wrestling community has really been starving for a good game. Uh, and so I think AEW's on the right track here. I hope that they focus on m- making the good game now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we may have a new king of Wednesday night in terms of wrestlers. Me? Lionel Green, 26, better known as Leo Rush, will be part of MTV's The Challenge in season 36. Show will be airing Wednesday nights head to head with NXT and AEW. And it blows them away every week. That could be interesting. Basically, they they bring a lot of... It used to be they used to bring back, you know, their fame whores from reality shows like Real World and Road Rules to to face each other. Now they're just now they're just bringing in a bunch of other people to do it and making it its own reality show. And they do obstacle courses and other challenges like that. Oh, God. Leo Rush would be really good at obstacle courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think he'll excel and, at that kind of stuff. And he's a bit of a brat, so right. he'll, he'll be an No, he'll work hit. as a character. No, he, he has a character, obviously, um, and he has a physicality that I think will really serve him well in this sort of setting. And if you watched SmackDown Friday night, you saw the debut of one Chelsea Green, uh, along with... <laughs> it's funny because they've, they've phantom called up Vanessa Bourne and Santana Garrett, just neither have appeared on television as yet. Unfortunately, during that uh, fatal four-way match, we got word right after SmackDown went off the air that she got hurt mid-match and an audible was called. That's why uh, Liv Morgan ended up taking the win in that match. It was supposed to be the start of a Chelsea Green push. But Chelsea Green now on the SmackDown roster, I think she'll be a fun addition. The problem is she basically has the same kind of gimmick as Carmella. Yeah, I see her ending up as Carmella's second here in the not so distant. She's future. somewhere between Peyton Royce and Carmella in terms of the gimmick, which is scary because when they introduced her, all she did was kind of look, put her hand. It looks like it's going to be one of those she seduces Adam Pierce to get what she wants type of stories. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, no, she has a very. It's like a less interesting version of Nina Samuel's gimmick. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh I don't know. I, I hate silent debuts. I want to know why someone's there, what they want, what their purpose is, and why I should be interested. As opposed to camera pans over, there's Chelsea Green batting her eyes, and then all of a sudden she's in a match. Well, the guy on commentary was backstage and asking a lot of the women, and they didn't have a lot of nice things to say about her. Yeah. <laughs> they did say that. Oh, yeah. So that'll uh, that'll do it for the news section. Let's uh, 
Give it up for our sponsors this week, mybookie.ag. Between the NFL and college ball, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sport and events, you can turn your game day into payday with mybookie. You're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites. Consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. I like parlays. I like betting multiples, Chris, especially underdogs. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you the chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. Don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Oh, and by the way, especially on Thursday night games. Those are trap games, all of them. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at my bookie, and when you do, use code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, to claim a deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code R-O-P-E-S, ROPES, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, which... If you really want to go for the long shot right now. (laughs) Vegas has not paid out, I found out. Vegas has not yet paid out because there is no official winner. All the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBooking. We thank them for sponsoring shows on the Voices of Wrestling Network. They bought a few more ads and a few more weeks, so we're very, very happy with them. They'll be with us through January. Okay, where to begin on this? Full gear. I liked it a lot. I was happy with my purchase. Um, I, I thought the end of the tag match was genius. I just, I really, you know, no flips, just fists. And now I want Tully Blanchard to chew out Cash Wheeler. <laughs> Say no flips, no flips. Uh, any uh, any thoughts on uh, on on full gear, Chris? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm surfing the card here. So I liked the opener a lot. Kenny Omega too. versus Hangman Page was was one of the strongest matches of the night for me. Um, I I enjoyed it a lot. It didn't have like it was a little long for an opener match, but like that's a common AEW problem. Is like every match is a little too long. Like it, it needs a bit of an editor. Um, and that was a common theme throughout this show, but like this one was, was really watchable. It had me engaged all the way through, uh, where the show kind of like would lose momentum for me is in the comedy stuff. So like orange Cassidy versus John silver was every comedy orange Cassidy mid-level match you've ever seen. Um, and it almost seemed like it was more focused on getting, John Silver over and so in that sense I thought it was a real step backwards for Orange Cassidy like we didn't see anything new from his shtick and his shtick was being used even though he defeats John Silver it was being used to get John Silver over um and commentary was focused on Silver like I I just it did that didn't click for me and it kind of brought down the energy Darby Allen versus Cody Rhodes I thought was darn good um so so like then you know then I get back in and like this is like Sure, my experience of the night. It's like you have a good match, and then like uh, I go and get a call in the other room match, and then come back in. Oh, Darby Allen, Cody Rhodes, and they, they have a good match, and like I I, I enjoyed this match. Um, I I thought again too many near falls, but like the story was fu- made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, no, I I I liked this. I liked this whole match. Yeah, here. the elite deletion match did nothing for me. MJF and Jericho was a little too. <laughs> uh, 
It was a little too WWE for me, to be honest. Both of them, like the the Elite Deletion match, was the same Matt Hardy remote camera match you've seen a thousand like since he did the final deletion. Yeah, Um, it was like a water like, and and in this sense, it's kind of like the Orange Cassidy match where it's it's not just okay they're having a comedy match. Chris hates comedy wrestling. It's that like. I have seen this comedy scene from these people before. So, like, I'm not laughing now. I laughed in 2013 when he did the final deletion. Was it 2013, 2014? Um, yeah, like, uh, six years ago, it was a hoot. Um, now, I have seen the Lake of Reincarnation bit a number of different times. Um, and then Sammy busting his head there at the end was like, <laughs> how, how, like, this, this feud, like this is a feud that like did not need to continue and for it to end with sammy busting his head open yet again um or like someone getting injured gratuitously yet again in a match that didn't really need to happen like yeah 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 um young bucks versus ftr as you said i like the closing spot a lot um i don't mind legacy spots I think there I thought were maybe, there were a few too many love yes, letters. Yes. And uh, yeah, like it got a little because you did so many legacy spots, they got a little out of the rhythm of just telling a story. Mm-hmm. Um and I also think like maybe they gave away a little too much in this first encounter when like this is clearly you know, AE or um AEW Young Bucks and uh FTR are going to have, you know, several matches out of this ideally. Um and and I also uh, you know I, I like, as I said, I like the finish. I don't know. I don't know that I would have had FTR lose here, especially given the way you've been presenting them. Um, as like, I, liked, we, I liked Moxley and Kingston. I, I did. I, I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. Yeah. It, no, no, like uh, Kingston's a very charismatic fellow. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, you know, we've seen the Moxley and Kingston sort of like blood and gutsy sort of thing. Um, yeah, and then, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Go. Sorry. Oh no no that that's all I that's all I have to say. I was on, gonna on. say I was kind of disappointed in the follow up on Wednesday, which is this is yes. how I was gonna transfer because I thought I thought they're gonna kind of make some sort of redemption for Eddie Kingston eventually and sow those seeds, but it looks like they're kind of doubled down on him being a heel. Which is really weird because if you watch those pack promos, I don't think you got packs coming back as a face out of those promos at all. It right. seemed like a guy fuming and raging in his house slowly hating the world like it seemed like some heel stuff to me buddy what is it the triangle of evil or what what did they call themselves originally uh, the death triangle I believe the it death was. triangle there you go that sounds like a baby face group yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> uh, and, and like even kingston's need to separate and cleave off pentagon from phoenix i don't feel like I really understand why Kingston has turned so hard on Phoenix all of a sudden. Right. Did I miss something? No. Okay. Yeah. Like I, it's it's like he went way cold on Phoenix all of a sudden. Yeah, I think it's just to play up that he's the one that's going to be responsible for them. Maybe splitting. Maybe not. Right. Maybe they yeah. all go up against him when he takes on the butcher and the blade, and they, you know. That becomes a trio. I, I don't know. It's, no, it, it so I think where this ends up is Pack stops Pentagon and Phoenix from fighting. And then we build up to a trio match of Butcher Blade, Kingston on one side, Death Triangle on the other side. Chris, I am not hyped 
that AEW is already going to the celebrity wrestling gimmick for views. I understand it. We're in a ratings war. It's a growing company. Shaquille O'Neal, I find, has always kind of been an overvalued personality in terms of his... He's a creation of of people who said he had personality, but I'd, I've never really, never really bought into him being a personable type of thing. I think he's occasionally funny. I don't think <laughs> he's a little too high on his own crap, which might make him like really good for professional wrestling. I, I don't think a company that's focused on work rate, you can get away with Stephen Amell if he's in there. Shaquille O'Neal's never been, uh, never been the gym guy. Let's put it that way. So, in this sense, the Cody pairing is perfect because Cody can flip and flop and fly for Shaquille O'Neal and make all the strength spots work for Shaq. Um, the question is going to be, like, yes, Shaq's not a gym guy. Uh, the question is going to be, how in shape is Shaq going to be for this match? And... You know, provide he's in decent enough shape, you can get things like a power bomb out of him. You can get a choke slam out of him. Probably a big clothesline out of him. Um, you know, the big boots and these sorts of things. <laughs> I-, I want him to be the barbarian. <laughs> Just a big boot all the time. I, like, okay, like I. I- <laughs> I mean, if he just clobbers Cody in the corner, like it makes it look real stiff. I, you know, that'll be worth the price of admission to be completely. Can honest. we give him the claw from uh, Sean Spears? Maybe you know, the giant hand. Thing? Ooh, ooh, ooh! Yeah, yeah, like the claw choke slam. Even yeah, no, there's a lot of options here. Um, look, I know a lot of people buried the debut of Jade Cargill. I thought for a first time ever on national TV doing something like that. I thought she was fine and I will take that kind of shaky debut. If I can get this Brandy Rhodes every week, I loved Brandy Rhodes in this. I love angry Brandy Rhodes. I, I got to the, I stood up. I paced. I pulled a Lanza. I started. I, fe- I felt bad this. for Jade because when Brandy came out, it became even more obvious how bad Jade was struggling yeah. through. How out of her section. league she was. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, because Brandy was really, really good, and it made Ooh. Jade look even worse by comparison. I after that promo, I went, Cody, you are one lucky man because <laughs> to have a have a woman come out and defend you like that, and and. Whoo, whoo. I, this no, is my so, fitness. but like Jade has, I mean, she's got something there. She's I don't, Jack to the gills, man. Yeah, no, I, right. I, I don't, I don't know that this character that she's doing right now is super comfortable for her. No, um, it's not. Yeah, and it's, you can tell it, it, it's yeah. a, it's a narcissistic character, and you can always tell who's, who's uncomfortable being narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, it, I yeah right. I and I don't yeah I don't know that she's super comfortable being the character that she's currently playing, and I think like that that's part of it. I also think that they gave her a ton of dialogue um, rather than bullet points, and like it, you could tell that she was just trying to remember everything. So like yeah, no, I, I I'm willing to give her some leeway, and like I, I agree with all of your points about how I, you know, I don't think AEW really needs to be doing a celebrity match, blah, blah, blah. If, if this somehow results in the successful launch of Jade Cargill, I think it will be worth it. I think Cargill needed to try and pick a fight. Kind of like how, uh, 
I'll go with a throwback from from my youth, the baby doll type of thing where she wasn't afraid to stand up to men and challenge them. It's like, oh, you think you can hit me? Okay, fine, go for it. I, I think that instead of the almost seducing him in the ring, she did. Make, she made a actual seductive comment at him. At oh one yeah, point. she talked. She made a penis joke. Yeah, she made. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just thought that was the wrong tone to set here. No, I agree. Um, I think what probably should have happened is a low blow at some point, and then she yeah. like decimates him with a big clothesline. And we get, I mean, she's coming out there and showcasing. She's got incredible abs. She's clearly, yeah, she, as you said, she's jacked to the gills. You need to actually show off her strength. Yeah, I, I would agree. Play, play to her strengths. They, they tried to put her into a character box. And yeah, that's, and that's not talking. Right. Uh, In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast network if i could have a moment of your time i'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors eufy video lock eufy video lock is a smart lock a 2k camera 
and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking and remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy Video Lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or, wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy Video Lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door I'm thinking about just bouncing around here and making different comments. If, if 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 you've got something on your mind, this is your time to do it right now. Um, I'm looking at Matt Seidel. Uh, what'd you think of the bunkhouse match? Loved it. It was a little too. There were a few too many. Uh, setup, you know, uh, yeah, set yeah, pieces, sure. but overall. I liked. Oh, that's the other thing is that WWE is now now trying to uh, trying to trademark all these old NWA things again, like Bunkhouse Stampede. But the match itself, it's bloody. It was a fight. I love the Butcher. I am so in love with the Butcher now. I, I just want to see him every week. I, I I don't know what it is, but he's a big dude who looks like he can kick my ass. Which, yeah, dude. Like I just like big. Like the big burly brawling looking guys. Like you, know, you sent me a link of like Meng brawling with some uh, ex NFL or this week in like a WCW squash match. Like, I, you know, like I like that's that gives an aura of physicality. Uh, I even liked uh, uh, Rampage Brown over in uh, yeah. N- NXT UK. Like, I mean, you know, it was the obligatory debut match against Jack Stars. Jack, Jack Stars Star- must die if he's yeah, on the yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> when I see Jax, just like, yes. Uh, but no, like, Rampage Brown looks like a big brawling dude. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, I, I think there, there is... You don't need to be like Vince McMahon's obsession with like guys being six foot six. I don't that really think that matters that much. But no, like because what, it because it makes the six foot six guys look small. <laughs> yeah, you know, if everyone's six. the same height, they, they if ever yeah, right. It's all about size differentials, right? No, I, I'm with you on that. It's loud, self loud. QT um, like, Marshall took a hell of a dive off that ladder too. I was yeah, he uh, sure did. He whew. sure did. Uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed the hell out of this match. Um, something else I enjoyed. I don't know if anybody else did. I will I will critique the storytelling in a bit because I think the storytelling could have been much, much stronger for this. I'm here for Leon Ruff, North American champion, NXT. I liked it a lot. So I like him winning the title. Yes. And I even am fine with the belt falling off of his waist <laughs> spot because, like, there is no way that it wouldn't have occurred to, like, if it didn't occur to you by the time he went up and had that moment, like, it certainly, like, it occurred to me, I was like, oh, God, the thing's never going to fit around his waist. Like, it doesn't. So, I mean, I'm even fine with that spot. I think he has been played up a little too much as a flute character here in this, and I think they needed to ramp down the humor just a little bit. I um, agree. I think that you can get it all back kind of back on track here, but he needs to actually have like meaningful wins. And I I'm here for him as an underdog champion. Um, I'm here for Johnny being obsessed with like beating Leon Ruff. And like, it's this roadrunner coyote dynamic. Let me put it this way. Johnny Gargano was fantastic. All Wednesday, all Wednesday night. He was absolutely fantastic in everything he did as a heel. And as much as I don't want him to be a heel, he, he's great at his job. Mocking Damian Priest, all that other stuff. Here was my problem with the rough win, is that it wasn't earned. And no. I don't need them to, to telegraph it. I just need them to tell me a story. I need to could've... care a little bit more about Leon Ruff than this. Yes, because he hadn't been on TV, I don't think, in a while. So if you had put him on, if you did a three-week build, and here's how I would have done. Week one... It's a squash match, but he gets one move in. Or, like, one punch, and then he loses. Week two, he gets two moves in. And then week three, Damien, or not Damien, but uh, Killian Dane comes in and just destroys him. Just absolutely destroys him. So we kind of go, well, he was building momentum for a while, but it looks like that's been stopped. And then you get to this week four, and he's on the wheel. And, you know, he has his ribs taped from the beating he took last week, so you know... The fix is in, and there's no way he could do this. And then he gets the win for the title. Hell yeah. Then we're all invested, and we're kind of like, oh, they fooled us, but they fooled us in a good way. And I kind of wanted that journey, but I don't mind this either. Now, the danger they have here is that it feels like, and I don't know about you, but watching the interplay with Damian Priest it feels like Priest is going to be the one to take the belt off of him. Yeah, no, Priest is totally going to double-cross him. That, yeah, like, that, and that, they're going to turn him back just... heel, and you're just like, why build him as this charismatic baby face just to pull a dick move like that? No, I, that that's the thing I hate about this. Um, I, I Leon Ruff, as, as a concept, I don't hate it. I just don't trust that this is going anywhere interesting. I howled because the internet 
is undefeated. And they somebody mocked up graphics. If NXT had been involved in Survivor Series this year, we would have had a triple threat of Sami Zayn, Leon Ruff, and Bobby Lashley. And I'm kind of here for that, too. <laughs> to watch Lashley just kill him. Oh, that, okay, like that, it'd be fun because it'd be like Lashley and Zayn just beating up Ruff, and then what you have to do is have Ruff go over. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have him beat Sammy, because, you know. Oh, I think it'd be even funnier, just the visual of him somehow getting the pin on Bobby Lashley. Yeah, but they'd never do it, because they, mm-hmm. they'd look and they'd go, who'd believe that? Look at Bobby Lashley and look at <laughs> The whole point about Leon Ruff. It's like, it's fake, dummy. It is that it's fake. And that, like, yes, no one believes that this guy in a fair fight can beat Damian Priest, but it's the world of pro wrestling and, like, magic can happen. Uh, Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, I'm with you. But, like, if, especially if you're going to tell this type of underdog story. Like, yeah, dude, like, Ruff, Ruff is going to have to get implausible victories over people. I want to go back in time, and I want to tell Jake Atlas, I know WWE is your dream. And yes, you'll have good matches there. Dreams don't come true, kid. The, the amount of interference in these matches this week was driving me insane. I just... It was a long match for nothing. <laughs> That's a problem. And I just kind of went, eh, they're just going to beat Atlas week after week after week. Yeah, right, right. No, it was a good match. I like. I'm a huge Santos Escobar fan. Going back to when he was King Cuerno, he is a continuously good wrestler. It's just, I mean, as the cruiserweight champion, you're just locked into a fairly boring track. And Legato Del Fantasma is a very by the numbers faction. And that's a shame because there is so much potential in that faction. Yeah, I, right. I, no, actually all everyone, I mean, your weak link is the veteran Joaquin Wild. Uh, you know, that and he's not really I'm putting weak link very much in quotes here because he's not a bad wrestler at all. No, they're 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 the two red shirts for the star and even the star needs to be more of a star in my opinion as opposed to a weasel. I am flummoxed uh confused frustrated a bit baffled baffled even conundrumed uh a bit i don't know if that's a verb but we'll no go it with is it. i made it, it is? a verb it's okay. called innovation 2020 chris oh, at i believe it was takeover 31 where we were reestablishing this women's division and we had both ember moon and tony storm debut as potential title contenders for and people Shirai back with and... new attitudes yes and now despite a foot on the ropes which doesn't help tony storm lost on on wednesday because it appears that they've cooled off the two title contenders that they were bringing in to revisit eo and rhea ripley which i don't mind the match but you don't you don't have to lower the 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 they you haven't even built up Ember Moon or Tony Storm yet as conquerors in this division, and you're beating them so that they don't outshine Rhea Ripley. It seems it's very strange, um, especially because Ember's the one who's the freshest of the three, and the next would be Tony Storm, and Rhea Ripley's 
the person who's probably been the most kind of um, exposed. I mean, I wouldn't say she's stale by any stretch, uh, but like, you know, Rhea's been in a holding pattern here for a minute. Yeah, I, I just, it's it's like, look, we know she's a known commodity and we know she's, you know, she's been pushed this year back at the Rumble, back at Mania. I mean, it's... It, Ember Moon really seems like the person to push right now. Yeah, I just, I just did not get that at all. Pat McAfee continues to be a godsend in all, <laughs> in everything. Um... I love this. Ta- I liked, I liked the focused Brizongo. I, w- that's what I wanted when they went back to NXT. Oh yeah. I when w- they were champions, like when they actually were doing an important thing. Yeah. No focus. Brizongo is good. Uh, I just, I, you, you can't, they've been trying to have it both ways with this team. And I think like, people are fine with them not being a full-on comedy act anymore or like moreover kind of like what i was talking about with the the full gear card we saw everything that the brizongo comedy act had to offer and it's fine to go back to as a nostalgia pop once in a blue moon but now you know we know who these guys are and they can they can just wrestle as serious dudes and i think i think we're fine with that yeah i'm I'm a little worried because it feels like we're building up to a war games with three, four persons factions instead of a four, instead of two of them, because it feels like this is going to, they're going to add Brizongo, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick to the mix. I liked Drake Maverick's little baby face spot here. I mean, we're yeah. getting him back on track because you remember there was a point earlier in the year where like you and I hated this guy, like never wanted to see him again. And, and uh-huh. I'm not at never want to see him again. I still, I don't I, like the whistling I, and the I will, uneasy I will tag never be, team I'm not back dancing. on board. Yeah, no. Yeah. And like, you know, the the angle earlier where he saves his career was super icky considering what he was what was going on behind the scenes with the company, but like yeah, uh that was a step in the right direction. I I like the Kings of NXT angle. I really do. Yeah. I I like I, having a mouthpiece makes a faction even if they're Look, nobody, nobody's gonna look at Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch. No, Danny Birch is goofy, but like, and think that they're the, they're these personality, you know, troves. Nobody's mistaking them for the Rock, but with this mouthpiece and having a character now, yeah, Danny Birch is just goofy, over the top arrogance. Same with Oni wearing the suit. Pete Dunne just growls, and you know he's a badass. So yeah, I, I think this. I, I like that they all have different personalities within the fact as well. That, yes. That's the cool thing. That's what you need, as opposed to you know, Legato del Fantasmo appears to have the same personality amongst the three of them. Uh, and, and then the worst thing of the week on either show is this crap that they're doing with Boa and Zaylee. <laughs> like everything involving what? the. You know what pisses me off about this, Chris? And I and and I'm glad you because I had blocked it out and it made me so angry. This is main roster garbage. I don't want this on NXT. I want NXT to be my wrestling show. I don't want it to be my sports entertainment with good matches show. 
this is Vince saw a Bruce Lee movie somewhere in the last 18 to 24 months, and it's made a real impression on him. And is Zion being deported? Is that what's going to happen here? And then the beatdown of Boa. <laughs> Boy, if you wanted to completely, like, for a long time, you know, there have been grievances with intergender wrestling or, like, intergender encounters. I mean, grievance is not the right word. But, like, you know, people have had quibbles or criticisms about, like, what it does in terms of power differentials and that sort of thing. And Boa and Gonzalez was, like, the the best example of this. Not because it's implausible, because Reina Gonzalez is, is big, or Raquel Gonzalez, whatever they're calling her, um, is big. You know, she, she's, she's stocky. But, like, if she's going to go over the top on Boa, she needs to waylay into this guy and not stop. And instead, she would, like, hit him with one clubbing blow, and then Boa would be like, no, please don't do it. Please don't hit me more. Then she'd hit him one more time and be like, Oh no, I hope I don't get hit again. Yeah, the overacting hit. was just a bit much and No, it oh, made him look get, like a get, total you goober. You can see the Triple H influence in here now too, with the showing off of the back. Here here comes here comes body guy Triple H showing off the bodybuilder. And look, I love Reina Gonzalez. Or Raquel Gonzalez. God, now I'm doing it. This is your fault. Reina's a better name than Raquel. Raquel's more generic. Reina, Reina's got like uh, it's a heft, man. Have we have we unofficially broken up her and Dakota Kai, too? Because she didn't come out with her. I like them as a duo. I always like the small person bodyguard kind of dynamic. But yeah, I I just yeah every punch and then a scream and then a beg for mercy and then another punch. No, just beat him up. Just kick his ass. Oh yeah, no, no. It, if it's entirely credible for Gonzalez to beat up Boa. That's not my critique here. My my critique is that if you want to do that, then Gonzalez needs to beat up Boa with a viciousness and a swiftness so that Boa never really gets on track because like the, the flip of this is, like, Boa presented in the ring is, like, the martial artist guy. So, theoretically, if this guy can't mount a defense when it's a slow and methodical pacing, what does that say about his in-ring stylings? How do they not know who this old Chinese guy is? R- yeah, right. Like, And then the old Chinese guy at the end. Are old Asian men just teleporting <laughs> into the after the dragon graphic swirls around in the background? Yeah, it's like what kind of security you guys got out there that, that, <laughs> that old Asian men are teleporting into the <laughs> during a television taping, and we don't know who he is. <laughs> are we ever going to have an explanation to this? The magician, the, the Mandarin, is he? <laughs> Is he the spirit of the tank brought to <laughs> Oh my god, that, that, that promo. That promo. I, I wanted something like that. I didn't want that though, Chris. I did not want, you know, my brother was in the military, so I drive a toy tank to the ring. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was a noble attempt. I just watching her get angry. You know, you don't understand. That tank is more than... It's a toy tank. You're a grown woman. (laughs) And I thought the tank was originally about her dad. Yeah. Well, I think her dad and her brother serve in the military. 
Well, which one is it, Jeff? Do you love your brother or do you love your dad? Well, I'm too focused on old Asian men teleporting into <laughs> Uh, that, uh, that again, that character is straight out of, like, a Bruce Lee kung fu movie from the 1970s. <laughs> They're going to call it, like, the wise one or the ancient one. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I think his name's going to be, like, something like Mr. Huang or something like that. <laughs> Sun Tzu. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Mr. Kwan. Mr. Kwan. Yeah. Mr. Ho. Oh, that's what they're going to do. They're going to find some weird Dublon Tundra. You know, Mr. Ho. <laughs> Mr. Wang. <laughs> oh, no. And then Xia Lee is going to have to fight for her family. Yes. Yeah. No. Un- un- undoubtedly, she must fight for her family. It, it, you know what? I need video now. I need video of Mr. Mr. Wang. With her, with her family on the gallows. <laughs> if you lose this match, it's like, man, this episode of NXT turned dark real quick. All of a sudden, we're hanging. We killed Xia Li's family on our show. Why not? Let's go full Lucha Underground here. Yeah, it's, it's that flare angle where he has to retire yeah. if he loses a match, only in the case of Xia Li, her entire family dies if she loses a match. And then they decide to make it geopolitical, and it's like, well, <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. I can't go there. That's a little too dark. A little too dark, Hawkins, especially because I have family from China. Um, <laughs> anything else on uh, domesticated NXT? Uh, oh, oh, I liked the, the Loomis-Thatcher match for what it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just Loomis is a, a baby weird, face. Is it was weird, a yeah. weird. It didn't. Let, let's put it this way. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was a great match, but it was an interesting match in terms of styles. I guess is what I'd say. I like seeing Thatcher's character challenged. Yeah, a- and I think in so far as this match is focused around Thatcher and not Loomis. It was interesting. Um, I, I just, Loomis's character is just, it's, it's weird. Uh, he's I not, love his presence though. That's no, he's got thing. a presence. He's got a presence. It's just like ever since they wrote themselves into a corner with the zombie crap. That, oh, <laughs> Beth, Beth did it again. That's a zombie ref. <laughs> It's not actually a zombie. No, oh, it's a, it's a caricature. He's doing stuff at the fair. No, I I, I think it's the button-down polo sweater with the blue with the gray jeans, not real wrestling gear type thing. I'm like, I want to know what is this character's point, and I never get that. Is is he is he there to draw pictures for the kids, or is he there to you know? Behead Xylee's family, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. I, you know, and and of course the weird Cameron Grimes interference here. Yeah, I, I think you know him as a babyface. You you really have to have heels crossing him on a regular yeah. basis. We're like, he's a nice guy, but he's just awkward, and he doesn't quite get along with the other babyfaces backstage. But he's not actually a bad dude. But the heels really run afoul of him, and that like they just they need to have a a set gimmick for this guy 
creeping baby faces big... don't work. I don't think they do, but like they seem to be married to this concept. So I'm just trying to make it better. You know, if he was a quiet killer, that's cool. Cause you're kind of like, okay, you know, that dude's going to do something interesting whenever he decides to act. But instead he just, he stalks people. He's in the background. He's, he's, that's the weirdest thing is like, he's, he stalks people. Um, and that gets him over. That's as the a hero. That's the hero of my story, Chris. The guy who creepily stalks people. We can have him look into women's window. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell are you thinking? That's not a baby face. Uh, and, and, and the problem was that it was because they teamed him with a Velveteen Dream. And now they can't, they can't paint their way out of this. Oh, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and then, then they just decided to turn Dream heel. Yeah. Don't bring your friend along. Don't bring your creepy friend along. <laughs> even though it would make a lot more sense if Velveteen Dream was using Dexter Loomis to do like the really creepy stuff. Well, you know, we we have a guy and a and a woman in a uh, in a scream outfit. It should be Dexter Loomis, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I don't. And then and then Indy Hartwell being revealed as the scream character was can i ask something if you're sure. doing a beatdown, i know i know i know wwe loves their staged moments but what is the use of keeping this mask on if you're eventually gonna reveal yourself anyways uh, and and it, she was clearly <laughs> having a hard time yes with it not unlike when mr jack was having his match on the pay-per-view a couple of weeks ago and against Bobby Lashley, um, you know, and missing drop kicks and that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I, I think that it was dumb. She should have just had the mask off once. Uh, if the mask flies the off, then commentary can put it over. Oh my God, that's Indy Hartwell, and you keep right. on beating the person. That's all you got to do. I mean, and you're I, building, I just... and then and then she can still do her turn and face the hard camera spot anyway. Yes. Yeah. And that's and that's that's we had to have that moment where she took off the mask. And it was everybody. It was who everybody thought it was. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, that's Indy Hartwell, who had been sending them presents for the past few weeks. And it's like, and was like apparently <laughs> hanging out at their house last week too. Who's who's the person who doesn't didn't think that's who it was? Did anybody just go, man? You know what? I, I would well, never thought of that being Indy Hartwell. I thought this whole time it was going to be Jesse Camilla. Would have been a would have been a twist. That would have been a twist. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it's Leon Ruff. Oh my God! <laughs> she takes off the mask. One person goes, "Oh, it's Indy Hartwell." They go, "No, no, no, no it's not. It's actually Jesse Kamea." <laughs> and then and then Hawkins is on here going, "That doesn't make any sense." Well, they swerved us because it was supposed to be Indy Hartwell Hawkins. Uh huh. <laughs> I that is I do I say that that's me. I, I'm not. I do that too. Yeah. Uh we had a disagreement on NXT UK. Uh, sure. But let's go for the the fun stuff first. Look, I like Eddie Dennis with the hunt. Needs stronger character work. He needs to be Paul Ellering and these two just need to go in there and like I think we've said this before. Yeah, no, we've we've talked about what we think the Hunt squash match should be, and I think it. it I agree with you. I figured you're going to say this more so, even now with Eddie Dennis. Eddie yes. Dennis needs to 
take them from tranquil to beast mode to back to tranquil with he's his little the zookeeper hush. he's yes. the falconer he has yeah. the hoods over their faces he takes the hoods off they go in there they rip a guy's face off maybe jack stars we can rip off jack stars face can't and we then, and then he does the finger the shush the and, shush? And, and, yeah, he puts he, the hoods yeah. back on yep. and they're tranquil again yep yeah um <laughs> instead we, we're having them struggle in a, in a squash match I'm with Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan, who seemed to be stuck in one of the, the longest, the, you are the talking about teams. long form booking and wrestling being dead. And I point to you, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan, an angle that has been going on for my entire life. It feels like it's gone on my entire life. And yet yeah. they're only the second most boring babyface tag team in this, in this NXT UK. Because whoop guy and bootleg Kofi. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's talk about that segment. Because those guys were, were dicks. absolutely the dicks. Yes. They thank you. are the dicks. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. In fact, that should be their team name. That should be the whoop guy and bootleg Kofi, Kofi. are the dicks. And well, then they just... Pretty deadly. Yes, they're they're dressed like assholes. They're always dressed like assholes. They're supposed to be assholes. But they're just standing in the performance center, just doing a thing, talking to one another. They are learning. They are sitting under the learning tree at a match, and these two jerks come up and start doing a bullshit reporter thing and asking them if they're friends with Eddie Dennis. Like, Like, what does it matter? Um, and, and like, like I, it's not even entirely clear what bootleg Kofi and whoop guy think they're going to get over on pretty deadly. That's what I want them to be called. By the way, I want bootleg Kofi and whoop guy. Yeah. Like, that, that's... <laughs> but like no, they, they are obnoxious and I hate them. And, uh, yeah. Obnoxious baby faces. Don't, I, this is a WWE trope that just, because because they're cocky and sure of themselves, and they don't take any crap from anybody. No, they're just jerks, and they're doing a better job of being heels than the two pretty boys you got being heels right now, who will eventually be awesome baby faces once you turn them. And then probably beat Whoop Guy and Bootleg Kofi. <laughs> because yeah, no, be I, this- I think the I think Stoker and Howley actually have a lot of potential as a babyface team. Um, yeah, uh, and no, that, no, but I, you start them as the cocky heels at first. And then you get, eventually the the hunt beats them bloody and they're no longer pretty boys. And then they got to fight. And that's how you turn them baby face. Yes. Yeah, no. And and this is the lay of the land right now in NXT UK is really perfect for a good baby face build. And um, while I I know you were hopeful that Whoop Guy and Bootleg Kofi were those future baby face champions to carry this brand. I I, I just want to say, I think it's got to be someone else. Now I would just want them to feud with Kenny Williams and, and, Amir, Jordan and Amir Jordan forever. Just best of 57. <laughs> and we and they, they can't be involved in any other program. You know what, Hawkins? When Kenny Williams finally throws Amir Jordan through the barbershop window, you it's going to be one of the all-time great moments in wrestling. It's going to be. They should have done that 67 weeks ago. No, it isn't. It's it's gonna be worth it. It, it it's like Dragon Ball Z: The Frieza Saga. You may have had to watch it get rebooted a few times during your childhood, but once you got to the end, totally worth it. I don't give a crap about either of those teams. They do uh, nothing. For Sam me. Gradwell is a bizarre character too on this show. 
go on. Uh, he is, like, paranoid and defensive, but I also think a baby face? You gotta realize that the other thing about these shows, especially NXT UK, is the reporters are jerks, too. <laughs> hey, you lost last week. Oh, here you go. <laughs> so you can't ever tell if the heel's being a heel or if he's just offended by the question. And Wolf comes in and I think clarifies that Gradwell is a baby face. But... But he teamed with the heels, didn't he? He teamed with Pretty Deadly. Yeah. Who are... <laughs> well, in theory, heels, but maybe Carter maybe and Whoop Guy. Maybe they're being babied by Whoop Guy and Bootleg Kofi. <laughs> uh, this, was, this was a double turn, Jeff. No, 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 this is a no, double no. turn promo. <laughs> Oh. That's what this was. Oh, 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 oh. oh it's subtle booking. Yeah, yeah, no, it's nuanced. You it's know, I like nuance. I it's, love nuance. It's deep storytelling. Yeah, here. It's, shut up. Yeah, shut it, up. it is. It's called Forty Chess. I love Forty oh. Chess. Everyone knows oh, that. Speaking of Forty Chess, your girl Nina Samuels. Yes, and Zaya Brookside, brain genius Nina Samuels. Now look, the fake injury gimmick is a trope used way too often in WWE. I found it intriguing that she took the loss to then beat up Zaya Brookside, who, again, if WWE was smart, you bring her over to the States, you put her on regular NXT, and you push her to the moon. If you liked baby faces and making money. But you don't, because Johnny Gargano is your best heel. That said, you and I disagree on the Zaya Brookside. I will let you make your case, and then I will counteract with a case I have not yet told you. Ooh, interesting. So you've got you've got the upper hand on me here. So first and foremost, I, I will start with the second wing of, of this two-winged bird here. The, this is the wing you've not seen. This is the secret wing. Um, it, it's not that impressive of a wing, though. Uh, so Nina Samuels, I think if you're going to have her do a post-match injury, like beat down angle, there needs to be a motivation. We need to have an understanding what for, why was she willing to take the L to do this? And I think that it should be manifest at that point. However, I think the most interesting and intriguing part of this angle was completely swallowed up by the half-thought Nina Samuels post-match beatdown angle, which is that Zaya Brookside makes the decision to cheat, essentially, to take advantage of an injury. And heretofore, she's been presented as a squeaky clean babyface. And when you have Zaya Brookside become the sympathetic babyface getting beaten down by Nina Samuels after the match, you you've taken the spotlight away from that inflection point, which I think is the more interesting point in all of this match. Here's my counter argument. I think they weren't trying to show her being a heel. I think they were trying to show her being a focused athlete who would win the match. Whereas before she was a sucker of a baby face who would try and help Nina Samuels. And I don't think they got there. I think, I think they did exactly what, you're saying they did, but I don't think they were trying to get there. I think they were showing her as, oh, this is this is the new, more professional Zaya Brookside. The match doesn't stop just because somebody's injured. 
even though it now yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, right. This is supposed to be a growth thing, but it wasn't. Yes. No, and so here's the worst part about that. So, like, I, I, I can see where you're going with this, but then she goes and checks on Nina Samuels afterwards and yes. gets her ass kicked. Yes, because sportsmanship still reigns, and she's sorry for having to pin someone when they were hurt. But she is now a focused professional athlete who will not be distracted by such things as entrance music or somebody jumping up on an apron or other things that stupid baby faces do. She is now on the ascent to beat Kaylee Ray. But instead, instead she decides to check on Nina Samuels afterwards. And of course, it's a ruse and she gets her ass beat and she's stupid after all. So he just kind of go, ah, all right. Fine. I I just I Yeah, I saw what you were saying, but we can't turn anybody else heel in this fed. We we we've toughened up Piper Niven. And we have no other baby faces other than this Valkyrie chick. No, and who, they they keep pulling the plug on turning Kaylee Ray babyface, but I totally think you can get away with Kaylee Ray being this like badass John Moxley swaggerish babyface. Especially with Ginny out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, and there's a lot of intrigue for Ginny versus Kaylee Ray, and if you're going to do that, I think Kaylee Ray makes perfect sense as the babyface in that feud. I'm kind of here for Ginny versus Kaylee Ray, to be yeah, honest me too. with you. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I think that that would be a really good, like, clash. No, I... I, I... Ginny is a person who should never be a babyface. No, and I think Kaylee Ray clearly can work as a babyface instance. Um, In particular, because... Her heel character is based around being an opportunist and being the person you kind of forget about, and that sort of translates in babyface framing as underdog. Yeah, uh, Jenny's best work to me was um, in Evolve, I believe it was, or Progress. No, not not Evolve, Progress, where she was basically the foil for Tony Storm time after time after time, and and they did a little bit in NXT UK, but not to the extent that they did it. Uh, before both were signed. I don't, yeah, I, I see. I just wonder how you babyface Kaylee Ray. And I, I like your Moxley idea quite a bit, but she also just exudes pure heelishness to me. Well, okay, so I think you had a really great opportunity to do that in the Piper Niven match. And that's when I'm talking about. They like keep kind of like starting and stopping. Um, the Piper Niven match was a yeah, really yeah. That whole thing was screwed up because you had the Tony Storm yeah, yeah no, but like... quote unquote retirement thing, and yeah. then Kaylee Ray, and then you had Ginny attack Kaylee Ray. But now you go back to Piper Niven. But Piper Niven can't be a pure baby face anymore. She has to be tougher now because she's gotten screwed a number of times, and it's just, it's it's a mess. No, it's a mess, but like the, there w- were opportunities to turn Kaylee Ray, and this division needs a babyface champion right now, not a heel champion. And I don't necessarily think you need a new champion. I just think that the champion needs to be a babyface. Really? Okay. Yeah, no, no, I, again, I, I think that can be Kaylee Ray. I just think it, all the interesting feuds are kind of Kaylee Ray as babyface. Whether it's Piper Niven now as this new dominant monster heel, like on a mission, not taking any crap anymore, done being friends with people, like, you know, willing to take advantage of all of her assets to try to become champion uh, and putting Kaylee Ray very much on the hunt and very much on the run. Um, Like, I like that. Uh, Whether it's Ginny 
coming in and, you know, trying to dominate Kaylee Ray and being taller and kind of like looming over Kaylee Ray. I like that. Um, if you want to bring in Rhea Ripley and just have like, you know, the oversized thing. Kaylee Ray is always going to be undersized. And like what can make her fun is that she's got a big mouth and she's got swagger at the end of the day. She gets the win. Um, and it, it doesn't always feel guaranteed. But like the, then you also don't like want to bet against Kaylee Ray. Um, I, I think she can be a really fun baby face. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. My thing is, I, I just think if you have a superstar baby face in this league right now, it's Zaya Brookside. And I don't think Zaya is ready. I don't think she's ready. I don't think she is a main event length match type of talent yet. I think she needs to be able to carry like a television main event at this point. I have not seen that. Okay. I, 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 that's a fair assessment. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. I just, for me, perky, young, telegenic. Uh, there are things I see there that you can build on. I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I just don't think that the, it's something the, needed in pro wrestling too. I'm, I'm so tired. I am so tired of not having somebody to root for. I know that's weird coming from me being old and cynical and watching wrestling for decades and decades. Oh no, but people need their Ray Mysterios and Ricky Steamboats. Um, like that, that's a, such a super important character. Like the, the one it's person... why Daniel Bryan causes such a vacuum when he's not around. Yeah. It's that one person you kind of universally feel good about. And yet like it's the, the way WWE is totally screwed up Daniel Bryan. Cause he totally could have been this generation's like always feel good about he. If Vince just thought about this a little more historically driven, he's totally their Ricky Steamboat. And the thing about that is, yes, you have that person to cheer for, and eventually I will hate that person, and I will want heels to kick their ass. And that's why I love the horseman beating up Dusty so much all those years. It's like, oh, Dusty's just, Dusty's so popular, and people love him so much, and you hear people screaming for Magnum, and you hear people screaming for the Rock and Roll Express, and I just want the horseman to kill him. And that's, what, that's the fun of wrestling is, for me, was always rooting for bad guys to beat up these overhyped good guys because they can't be that good. But now WWE's problem is they show you all the good guys aren't really that good. So it's just like, eh, there's nobody for them to root for and there's nobody for me to root for them to beat up those people. No, no. Um, real quickly, uh, SmackDown. Rey Mysterio's eye was healed with the power of love tonight on national television. Angle, Chris. This is a this beautiful is a angle. angle. Love prevailed, Hawkins. You're sitting here. You're disgusted by love. I am over here in love with love and the feeling of love. The man's eye was healed. I'm by not the disgusted power. by love. I'm disgusted by people in their 30s date teenagers. Oh, oh, that's illegal now, is it? I didn't it? say it was illegal. I said it was creepy. It, yeah, well, no, I, I'm, I, it, 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 it's, it's wrong. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I agree. Thank you. I, uh, I, I'm okay. not, I'm not pushing back on. No, this is, this oh, is. Damn stupid. you! I was trying to avoid the main roster, but here we go. Okay, Tucker's your twenty-four-seven champ. Who cares? Oh yeah, that's right, Tucky. Good for him. Oh, and his partner is now joining. <laughs> The dork order. <laughs> yeah. The, the dark alpha. Join dark, the dark alpha. alpha. If you yeah. want to go that way. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. Yeah. Join dark alpha. Uh, Chad Gable is now an evil, like motivational speaker, cult leader guy. Um, 
And the then, only guy I want him to bring in is Mojo, and I want him and Mojo to kill people. Yeah, that that would actually be pretty. Uh, Mojo is like kind of his acolyte. I, I love th- that th- dude. The the worst part is that like it's it, we literally are doing yet another Messiah gimmick. Yeah. Um. R- right after we're wrapping up the Rollins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I, I, and then. The Jey Uso and Roman Reigns angle, they are just blowing through all the character beats on this. We already they have, have they have to have uh they have to have uh Drew win the title on Monday, don't they? I think so, right? Like like the the in the narrative intrigue now is McIntyre going up against Roman Reigns. Yeah, unless they're saving that for Mania. Or he's and gonna do some sort of like brand change dealy gimmick. Or Drew Drew wins the rumble and challenges Roman. And this is just the seeds. I can I see guess. that. May- yeah, I. But the, we already blew through him beating the gatekeeper, though. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh. This, I mean, if anything, like the intrigue here, especially if you're doing a long form story with Roman Reigns as champion, is Jay Uso gets a distraction victory over Drew McIntyre, and it goes to Jay Uso's head. Um, Chris, we blew through the we blew through the Bailey rematch with Sasha. Yeah. Which was gonna get her over the hump, just for a Carmella feud? Are you sh- kidding me? <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm, I'm so, and we still haven't had real laundry wars yet. Drew just showed up to this show for some reason. What? Don't invest in the draft. They're just gonna do what they want. Storytelling. Well, no, okay, hey, hey, buddy. Monday, um, it, Mon- this Monday is not. Is that tr- was not a sanctioned match. It was that was the match between Uso and McIntyre that McIntyre won. W- was unsanctioned, thus getting, showing the importance of brands. We're getting blue T-shirts on <sighs> Monday and red T-shirts on Friday because it's the go home week. Get excited. And put some money at my bookie. We'd like to thank them for sponsoring us. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. Plenty of shows to listen to there. The flagship, of course, now live occasionally and and (laughs) doing their thing. That was weird listening to them for a few minutes while Rich had his audio muted. Uh, Everything Elite. Open the voice gate. Music of the Mat, which I love. Um, and we both guessed it on, but uh, if you have a love in professional wrestling, there's probably a show for you on there. Chris also does Don't Worry About the Government. He's going to tell you about what that show is now. Yeah, Don't Worry About the Government is my news and politics show. We have a YouTube page. You can go and check out the Don't Worry About the Government YouTube. Um, You can find that on my Twitter account for Don't Worry About the Government, which is at DWATG. I'm at Chris Novembrino. Don't Worry About the Government's on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you want video versions of the show, we're now doing a video version of the show. It's exciting. It's the 21st century. It's 2020. There are a lot more video options now than there were, uh, you know, even just a couple of years ago. So we're stepping into the new millennium, as it were. And you can watch full video versions of Don't Worry About the Government over at Patreon.com slash DWATG. You can hear the show for free on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Yuffie the cat is somewhere off in the distance here says hello. <laughs> I'm, th- uh, I'm thinking if we get up more subscribers for our Patreon that we don't update, I'll I'll do I'll do video. Okay, so no, we we, my- we do a video episode. We can we can like watch. People need to see my disdain live. I guess I don't know. I can bring the cats <laughs> on the air. Like like uh, no. The- okay, you you know you're a hater. This is a cat free show. Oh, not on this show. <laughs>